Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. And the Sports Map Radio Network. I'm joined as always by G. Hey, Wiley, Armani Buckets, Jake Dicker. How are we doing? I mean, not as great as Mookie out there, but I'm I'm doing pretty well. I mean, he went to the ESPYs, you know, yesterday, and then today with that amazing, amazing home run to win the game. I mean, I'd be on cloud nine if I was Mookie Betts, especially against the Giants. They had uh, the game before the All Star break against St. Louis, which was like the win of the season for the Dodgers, and then literally first game back, another one where they almost blew a 5 nothing lead, but what a win. And honestly, you know, we know that I'm not the biggest baseball follower, but this team, it's exciting to watch them. It's undeniable that this is a really exciting team, and I know we're going to get into it, but if they add a guy like Juan Soto, it's going to just up the excitement level by a million. I mean, it's a ridiculous team to watch. So I have a quick question for any of you guys. Do you feel like, I mean, granted, I get it, Jake, you, me, and um, Arash are all Dodgers fans, but do you think that this is kind of selfish of the Dodgers if we do end up getting Juan Soto? (laughs) I don't think it's selfish. I mean, if they can go out and make a trade, I mean, I think they're a team that's looking to, looking. I mean, by the way, not just for this season, they're looking to improve the team. So um, listen, right now, they are, in my view, the best team in baseball. I know we'll talk about this with the Yankees and Houston as well. But um, listen, if you have the uh, ability to attract Juan Soto, not only for this season, but for the future, you have to look to do that. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's not like it's not like it would be signing him to a massive contract, right? Like yeah. you have to give up. You have to give to get back. So, I mean, I don't think it's selfish if they've if their player development is is and, and scouting is is so strong to a point where even with the talent on the roster and the talent that they've had to get rid of to acquire guys like Mookie Betts, that they could do it again if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, this is a fun time. I mean, you know, now we're going into the st- stretch run. We're going into the trade deadline. And uh, the, the the Dodgers are once again looking like the best team in baseball. All right, let's get to, to today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. Circa Millions and Circus Survivor Pro Football Contest are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircusSports.com for details. Hit it, Jihei. Dodgers, like we said, picked up where they left off before the All-Star break by beating the San Francisco Giants 9-6 to thanks to a three-run home run from my boy Mookie Betts and a game-ending um, diving catch also by Betts. The uh, Dodgers are up 
by 10 and a half games in the National League West and four games in the actual National League. They seem destined, guys, for a return to the World Series, but can they beat the Yankees or the Astros in October? Listen, I think I I and all the Dodger fans out there will be worried about that come October for the time being. I'm enjoying this run. I'm enjoying this uh, streak that the Dodgers have right now. It's just been such a fantastic uh, time period. Again, as much fun as the break was in having all those festivities be in Los Angeles, I mean, a part of me was like, you know, I don't want this team to stop playing. And, uh, you know, to, again, to see them pick up right where they left off, where, yes, they blew a 5 nothing lead and they were down 6-5. But then to see Trace Turner um, have that big three uh, to have a triple to uh, tie the game and then Mookie Betts to have a three-run homer, the diving catch to finish the game. This is an exciting team to watch. I do think that right now, speaking right now, they are the best team in baseball. Listen, can they beat the Yankees? Can they beat Houston? We'll worry about that come October. I'm just happy that I don't have to stress about the, the division. I think that uh, run last year in terms of the division race and playing uh, like every game, like it was a playoff game up until the game uh, to finish the season, game 162, it took a lot from this team. Uh, so now they have a 10 and a half game lead. They're going to win the division. They don't have to stress about that. I like where this team is at right now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to not love where this team is at. Um, coming, you know, coming into tonight's game, um, in the last five seasons, when the Dodgers had a lead of five or more runs at any point in the game, they were 195 and one. So, I mean, to see that team, as I said earlier, to win, to win out of the All-Star break is big, but I feel like winning like that, where it's not, they weren't just up five nothing the entire way and kind of just ran away with it where they kind of you know Mookie said in his post-game interview they've been playing for each other these last couple weeks um and kind of have to go through a little bit of adversity and just prove to themselves once again that they can you know they're never out of a game play 27 outs for a reason um but when it comes to the Yankees and Astros in October I think there's no reason to think that the Dodgers can't get back there um but I think that they need to acquire a pitcher I love what Tony Gonsolin's done this year. I love what Tyler Anderson's done this year, but I don't know how much I really want either of those guys on the mound in a massive playoff game if it gets to that point. You know, Dustin May is going to come back if he's ramped up to, you know, being a full starter, it's going to push another guy to a bullpen because in the playoffs, you shorten your rotation to four guys, right? And assuming everyone's healthy, which I mean, is a big if, you're going to have Urias, Kershaw, and Bueller in that rotation for sure. Probably Gonsolin if you require a starter. I don't know who that pushes out of the rotation, but I don't think Juan Soto would be absolutely incredible, but I don't think the Dodgers issue in October is going to be scoring runs. I think it's going to be dominating on the mound, which is where you win in October. Jake, I, I have a question for you. In terms of the trade deadline, I know we've talked a lot about what the Dodgers can do to get better. What team do you think out of the playoff teams currently can make uh, moves necessary to improve the most. What team do you think has the room to improve the most at the trade deadline? Who do I think needs to improve the most or who do I think is going to? In terms of like assets and, and players that they can give up, who do you think has what it takes to improve the most? I mean, the Dodgers have the farm system to make pretty much any move they want. 
But I, I think Juan Soto is ultimately going to end up with the Mets. I think they have the pieces and they probably need him, his bat more um, than the Dodgers do because they're going to get they're going to get DeGrom back at some point, hopefully. Um, it seems like he's had a, you know multiple setbacks and Scherzer is back and seems healthy. So they kind of just added two arms to their, our, their rotation. They were already one of the best teams in baseball. Um, I think they need that bat and I think they have, you know, they have one of the top three prospects in baseball, uh, catching prospect Francisco Alvarez, who would certainly, certainly be, you know, the centerpiece of a Juan Soto deal. I think they'd be more willing to part with a little bit more to acquire a guy like Soto. In terms of, in terms of if, let's say, hypothetically, the Mets were able to get Soto, how do you think a series between the Dodgers and the Mets would go in October. I mean, if you're playing a seven-game series, because you got to assume the Met, with this new playoff format, the Dodgers aren't going to play in that play or that yeah. wild card, that wild card series, which I believe is like the NLDS in five games. I'm still not exactly sure how this playoff format works, but I think the Dodgers would just be playing best of sevens, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but either way, if you have to face the Mets and you have to face the Grom and Scherzer at least three games in a five game series probably four starts out of a set and if you're playing a seven game series i mean that's tough right you gotta beat at least you gotta win at least one of those games if you lose all of them you're i mean you lose four games you're done so i mean pitching is what's going to carry the mets in october I, I think the dodgers roster is going to look a little bit different come october than it does now i think they're going to make some sort of move it feels like andrew friedman always does um aside from last year which he, he or no I, I excuse me two years ago um but, you know, I, it, it's tough because it's just pitching wins in October. And if you have Scherzer and DeGrom, it's tough. Like, I, I, I feel like the Dodgers lose to good pitching every year. So, you know, I feel I don't want to say I think the Dodgers will lose a playoff series to the Mets. I think the Dodgers are an overall better team than the Mets. But it's I mean, it's a toss up. Well, m- moving on to the um, to football guys. Because uh, football is king at the end of the day. I mean, I I, I, lo- I love baseball, but I love football a lot more. The Rams unveiled their Super Bowl rings on Thursday night, featuring the most carat weight in the history of the sports championship ring. The rings were unveiled in a private ceremony before the start of Rams training camp in Irvine. The top of the ring features the Rams logo made up of blue and yellow sapphires, the Lombardi trophy, and two palm trees. Under the removable top of the ring, there is a view of SoFi Stadium surrounded by a piece of the Super Bowl ball game. Um, The field underneath the roof is made up of remnants of the SoFi Stadium turf from the 2020 and 2021 seasons. What are your thoughts on the Rams championship ring? I thought it looked fantastic. I mean, uh, it was so extravagant. And then when you pull it apart, you know, the top of the ring comes off. You got SoFi Stadium. And then I think there's like a third part that comes off where you you, get, you you see the top of SoFi, then you like undo the ring and then you get the field. And I didn't know until you uh, just said it, Hey, like there's actually pieces of the field there, pieces of the ball there, uh, really commemorating uh, a fantastic moment. Again, you know, SoFi was not only the home of the Super Bowl, but of course the home of the Rams. So a great moment for the Rams here, but it's a massive ring. Again, if you guys haven't seen a picture of it, uh, take a look online. I mean, I mean, these, 
rings are humongous and i think you touched on it G. hey the most valuable or the most carrots i mean this is the most expensive ring in sports championship history so listen if you're a fan of the rams you think they are fantastic and beautiful and wonderful if you're not a fan of the rams you think it's gaudy and ugly and whatnot i get it i think it's fantastic yeah, I thought it was cool. That was like my only thought. Like my first thought was like, this is a really cool ring. Like I loved, they had like the pillars on the top that like looks like SoFi from the outside, which I thought was really cool. The only thing that I didn't love about it is that it only had the score of the Super Bowl on it. That's a good Not, point. There yeah. weren't other, you know, I feel like most championship rings either have like, you know, the final game, like the series, if they won 4-2 or whatever. Yeah. Um, because I feel like every game, it's, it's it commemorates the, the entire journey, right? Not just the Super Bowl itself. You have to win the other games to get there, especially when you beat Brady. I feel like that's worth commemorating also. Um, so I would have liked to see kind of like the different steps um, reflected somewhere on the ring. But I mean, it's it's the biggest ring that I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's hard to hard to criticize it. It's I mean, it's a beautiful ring and the pieces of the field and the ball are very, very cool, uh, cool assets. Real quick, Jake, you're 100% right there because most championship rings that I've seen have kind of touched on the playoff journey. And this was a very special playoff journey in terms of beating a divisional rival in the Cardinals, beating the defending Super Bowl champions, you know, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. And then again, beating your like number one rival, San Francisco, who had beaten you six straight times to win the conference championship. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really surprised again. Yes, you commemorate the Super Bowl, but at least the conference championship game that took place at SoFi as well. Yeah, I agree fully. Yeah, I mean, I think the the addition of the turf um, from the 2020 and 2021 seasons, I mean, that's definitely giving their little niche to their journey, I guess. Right. Because of COVID and because of what they had to deal with and what they um, I mean, what everybody in that league has to deal with, everybody in professional sports has to deal with. I mean, that's going to be a memory, in my personal opinion, that's going to last, I mean, a lifetime, you know, way past when they're uh, they're all gone. Well, continuing on with the Rams, Odell Beckham Jr. was at the Super Bowl ring party taking pictures with Rams coach Sean Payton and other Rams players such as Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Is it basically a done deal, guys, that OBJ will be back with the Rams? And how long, how big will his addition be if he joins the team during the season as he did last year? Before I touch on this, Armani Buckets, uh, you are a fashionista of sorts. What did you think of the uh, championship rings? I mean, it is uh, too big, too big. Did you like it? Um, wow, I don't know the last time I've been called a fashionista. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. <laughs> I, I, no, I love it. Um, it, it looked like on on the hand of the players it did look pretty massive but i mean you won the super bowl so i think you deserve to have a huge ring like that and the and the word that i thought stood out to me was unique it the, the whole design of the ring was really unique and it made me think of like what's to come for these future champions of any sport like are the warriors gonna have a ring that's as extravagant if not more extravagant than that i mean now I think the the table is open for for these owners or I, who even pays for rings? Is it the owners that? I think it's the team, and I'm and I'm wondering if the league kind of gives them a certain percentage, like you know, like they have to pay for it. But um, you're 100% right on this front that it does seem like every team wants to top the previous team. So I have no doubt about it that the Warriors Championship ring 
it being Silicon Valley, San Francisco, all that good stuff, they're going to try to top this. I mean, they're, they're going to have the most carrots. They're going to have the biggest ring, the most gaudy ring. And so, listen, I, I, like, I think like all these teams want to top each other. They all want to say we have the most valuable ring in the history of sports. And so, uh, you know, it used to be when you won a championship, you got a championship ring. It looked cool, but they all kind of looked the same. Now they're all extremely unique and they and they have all these things where again a piece of the turf, a piece of the court, a piece of the ball, and things like that. So we'll see what the Warriors uh, get. GA, our favorite player, Hodel Beckham Jr. I'm just kidding, of course. Uh listen, I do think it is a uh it is a foregone conclusion that he will come back. I mean, he's not gonna start the season. He is rehabilitating right now. So there's no rush for him. But obviously, listen, I mean, the, the picture he took with Sean McVay, where they're basically cheek to cheek, uh, there's no doubt that he will come back. And I, I think he kind of wants to do what he did a year ago, basically come back. I forgot exactly what game he joined the Rams. But again, no rush. He can't physically come back. He can't physically uh, play right now, do training camp, preseason, things like that. I have every... Uh, thought and and there's no again no doubt in my mind that he will join the team at some point uh i just want to i hate to bounce between uh topics but i need to apologize to the designers of the the championship <laughs> ring because i i assume would be jason's of beverly hills they yeah. make every ring yeah. um the the scores of all the playoff games are engraved on the inside of the ah, ring well, which we i go. hadn't previously seen so well i just done, wanted to Jake. apologize right. apologize to to jason's of beverly hills <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that it's that attention to detail that Jason's of Beverly Hills always always uh, comes through on. Um, and also, by the way, going back to that topic real quick, it's LA. You know, I, yeah. do you expect any? Do you expect anything less than over the top, right? For no. the um, for well, any you know LA. Well, team? GA, they you know they 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 spent five billion dollars on SoFi. So I mean, of course, when they not only win a championship ring, but they win it inside their home stadium, inside a SoFi stadium, you got to do something. You know, cool. I love the palm trees, by the way. I mean, the Rams really did a good job of embracing Los Angeles and saying, hey, this is our home. So, uh, listen, a fantastic looking ring. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, though, guys, again, well, hold um, up, to hold the up. OBJ. Don't- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's move on to OBJ. Don't move on because, yeah, I mean, I'm very interested, Jihei, what you have to say about your old friend from the New York Football Giants. You know what? I mean, he's so far removed now, I guess. I should I know. bury the hatchet. But, um, yeah, you know what? I, L.A. fits him. L.A. suits him. This is this is definitely been a home for him prior to him being on Cleveland. This is a home to him while he was with New York. You know, this is his home. So, like, I get it, you know, and he fits in. He fits in extremely well. Um, he did ex- an extremely great job with them. And if he can continue um, to do a great job at post-surgery and rehab and all that good stuff for the Rams, then far be it for me to sit there and judge him. And, and you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm done playing this. I'm, I don't like OBJ. Um, you know, I wish he would have done that for us. I wish he would have done that for the New York Giants, New York football Giants. But, um, you know, the, this, this is definitely more of a fit for him. This is more of... He is more of a, uh, a huge addition for this team. So, 
you know, as as far as him being a big addition, of course he'll be a big addition um, regardless. And you don't know where this team's going to end up injury-wise as well towards the end of the season, which is the reason, one of the main reasons why he got picked up, right, was because they needed more people. <laughs> they they were they were accident injury prone. So, uh, yeah, you know, kudos to him, and I, I hope he does well. Modern medicine is amazing, but two torn ACLs, I mean, I hope for Odell's sake, for the Rams' sake, that he's able to come back and be himself. I just feel like we have, as a society, assumed a lot of things about these athletes. Kawhi Leonard is another example. It's like, I want to see what these guys are before I anoint them to be the previous versions of themselves, because an ACL is a major, major injury. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. if you can, I think if you can bring him back at some point in the year as your number three wide receiver, um, I assume Allen Robinson's the two. Um, I feel like that takes a lot of pressure off of him if he's not being asked too much. It's not too much being asked of him. Kind of let him ease back into, you know, playing full time off of you know, as Armand said his second torn ACL. Um, but I think I think you saw last year how much more dynamic that Rams offense is with him in it. Um, they're able to open the playbook to you know completely other worlds that they weren't able to do before. So I think I think it's a, a very big addition if he's able to you know come back healthy and make an impact for the Rams. Exactly. I mean, if he had been healthy, he was well on well on his way to being the most valuable player of that game, and I, I don't think he would have stayed with the Rams. Now he's comfortable here and again no team is going to give a, a a big contract um as he's rehabbing all right let's leave it there for now when we come back we'll be joined by our good friend michael duarte who was at dodger stadium last night when we return right here on the mightier 1090 in southern california the fan in las vegas the whole hawaii sports radio network and the sports map radio network We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rake. Circuit Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. The Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. And the Sports Map Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now. Circa Millions and Circus Survivor Pro Football Contest with $12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit CircusSports.com for details. And here he is, our good friend from KNBC4 in Los Angeles, Michael Duarte. Michael, how are you, my friend? Rosh, I am uh, very well. Thanks for having me on this lovely Friday morning. Thank you for joining us on a Friday. Uh, you were at 
the Major League Baseball, um, like all the festivities, not not just the game, home run derby, celebrity softball game, uh, concerts, gifting suites, you name it. Um, what was the highlight? I mean, you you you've been to so many things this week, and it was but and by the way, great to see Los Angeles being the center of the sports world, and you were right at the heart of it, Michael. What was the highlight for you? Yeah, Rosh, great question. Not just a, quite the day, quite the last several days, yeah. week plus, 10 days, you name it. And you, you, you talked about Los Angeles being the center of the sports world, uh, but it seems like every other month, Los Angeles is the, the center of the sports world. It, it just feels like just a couple months ago, we just got done, you and I together doing this for the Super Bowl yeah. with, uh, and, and the things that you listed off, parties, events, gifting suites, concerts, musical performance, sporting events, the games itself, writing, reading, everything you can imagine. That, that about sums up both of our lives, I would say. Uh, and it just seems like every couple months, we just keep doing it again and again here. And uh, you know, it won't be too long before uh, it'll happen again here, whether it's the World Series or the NLCS or you know the Lakers playing. Uh, it'll happen again. So, uh, but to answer your direct question, what was the highlight of all of this? This chaotic weekend, like uh, walking into an unknown world, especially seeing Dodger Stadium when MLB takes over for the All Star Game, which was uh, you know you know crazy because we didn't really know where to go because it wasn't the same as our normal routine is. Um, I almost want to pick like a, a moment from every day, but I don't want to drag on. So for me, the most special moment is also the one that's gone the most viral for me and probably as well as you, cause you were just across from me when it happened, but a uh, 10 year old Blake Grice walking up to Clayton Kershaw at the podium. It's completely unexpected. If you recall, Rush, we were standing right there and they had said he was done answering questions. So we thought Kershaw was done. And all of a sudden this 10 year old boy doesn't raise his hand, doesn't grab a microphone. He literally stands up, walks all the way up to Clayton Kershaw face to face and tells him that he's here because his late grandfather who battled brain cancer for 30 years of his life and the fifth and final time he underwent that battle, uh, he made a bucket list. And on that bucket list was doing things like going to the Grand Canyon for the first time, going to Yosemite, going to Yellowstone, those national parks, meeting his favorite person in the world, Vince Scully, longtime Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Dodgers. And of course, his grandfather and his, I might add, favorite player, Clayton Kershaw. And he tears up as he's telling Clayton Kershaw this story and how important it is that he's getting to meet him for his grandfather, whose name is Graham, by the way. And then, of course, Clayton comes off uh, from sitting behind the podium and gives Blake a giant big bear hug uh, and takes a photo with him and tells him how courageous and brave he was. Uh, you and I both captured that moment, that exchange. Uh, we posted it on, on all our socials. It blew up. For me, I, I've been on the Today Show. It's gone everywhere. For me, it's gone viral. Um, but, but then, and Rosh knows this part because we approached the Grice family, Barry, his father, and Blake right after that moment. Um, I happen to know Vin Scully. I happen to have his number in my, in my phone, and he happens to live just around the corner from me uh, in Calabasas. And I called Vin right there on the spot, spoke to his daughter, told him the story of Blake, uh, and I spoke to Vin Scully on Wednesday the next day, uh, who's in good spirits, uh, still as sharp as ever mentally, and uh, we're going to make that, that final bucket list item uh, get checked off here very soon. That was my favorite moment of this entire thing. 
That is that is awesome here, Michael. I wanted to ask you about the trade deadline, which is rapidly approaching. Um, seems like the big hitter that's being uh, talked about is Juan Soto. The big pitcher is Luis Castillo. Um, if the Dodgers were able to acquire one of the two, you know, the obvious answer may be Juan Soto. What do you, who do you think is more important to a Dodger deep playoff run come October? Neither. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean that. And I don't mean that to be a smart ass. I'm just saying that, you know, do the Dodgers need Juan Soto right now? Not really. Where is he going to play? You know, he, right now he plays right field and that's commanded by Mookie Betts, arguably the best player in the game right now and an MVP front runner. And, you know, it'd be great to have another guy who can do that from the left side of the plate in Juan Soto, but obviously Cody Bellinger's in center field. Uh, you know, Chris Taylor's hurt right now, but when he's back, where is he going to play? That's his position, basically left field. Trace Thompson has been on a tear. Be tough to take him out of the lineup. You got Jake Lamb as a lefty who's been playing there as well. You got Gavin Lux goes out there. You got so many options that I really don't think as far as what's more imperative and important that the Dodgers need to add a Juan Soto. But as far as teams that have the prospects to go get a Juan Soto, the Dodgers are among a handful of teams that have that farm system to pull off a trade like that, especially when he has, you know, about two plus years before he becomes a free agent. And then when he turns down a 15-year, $440 million deal, knowing that he's looking at at least a $40 million AAV, probably a deal, uh, depending on how long and how many years, of at least $400 million to half a billion dollars, that limits the teams that might have the prospects to pull it off to as far as who has the payroll and the money to be able to sign him long-term to something like that. Uh, the Dodgers are now one of just a couple teams that would be able to pull off something like that. Not only just trade for him, but potentially sign him to an extension uh, if that would be their plans. So that gets people exciting. Of course, Juan Soto, his best friend is Trey Turner, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So I look at this almost strategically, like if you want to re-sign Trey Turner, perhaps long-term bringing in Juan Soto builds towards that and really would help you know, make that happen. Of course, Juan Soto came out to Dodger Stadium for that NL wildcard game against the St. Louis Cardinals, wearing a Trey Turner jersey, wanting uh, to cheer on his best friend and rooting for the Dodgers, who ended up winning that game on a Chris Taylor walk-off. And then plus, as Rosh knows, during the All-Star game when he was out, uh, I believe, in center field for a little bit, Dodgers fans were chanting, future Dodger, and he turned around and smiled and waved at them. So who knows, you know, what that means. Obviously, it just means he would love that opportunity if it were to come. But, you know, a frontline starting pitcher, I think if you're looking at a potential playoff matchup, whenever it would happen, either in the NLDS or the NLCS with the New York Mets uh, or the Atlanta Braves or even like the Milwaukee Brewers who have two great starters at the front of that rotation, it would help potentially to bring in a guy like Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas, who, you know, can go toe to toe with the Max Scherzers, the Jacob deGroms, the Corbin Burns of the world. Uh, and, and you wouldn't fear, uh, you know, maybe losing the first two games in a series with those front end pitchers. So, uh, but look at the Dodgers staff. They have the best ERA in the national league. Uh, they had two all-stars that nobody expected to be all-stars in Tony Gonsolin and, and Tyler Anderson. So they have the depth to definitely plow through this regular season. I'm just looking at when the postseason comes and it's the best of the best and a heavyweight fight going mono for mono. Uh, maybe you need the front line rotation. So maybe that makes Luis Castillo a priority over Soto. 
So the reason why I said neither is because I think they need bullpen help more than any of that. Uh, with the fact that with the fact that you lost Daniel Hudson for the season with a torn ACL, with the hat that you have uh, Tommy Canely out for, for a while, and who knows what he's going to be. Blake Trinan has only appeared in one game all season for the Dodgers. We don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. And uh, we don't really know right now what Craig Kimbrell is. He's struggled on and off throughout the year. His, his you know, save record is pretty good, I guess, but his ERA is not. And so I think you need high leverage bullpen help. Bruce Dargraderall is on the IL as well. So to me, that's the priority, high leverage bullpen help. Uh, and if you look at this game on Thursday night, uh, where the Dodgers had a five-run lead, Mitch White had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning, he gives up a hit, they pull him, and then in the seventh inning, Phil Bickford and Alex Vestia combined to give up five runs, including a grand slam to Darren Ruff and completely blow the lead, and the Dodgers end up needing to have their 27th comeback victory of the year, thanks to Trey Thompson and, and Mookie Betts, to make that happen. So to me, the number one priority at the deadline is a high-leverage reliever. Michael, one guy who you didn't mention is Dustin May, who's set to make a rehab start today, go three innings. Um, if he's able to you know, ra uh, ramp up, not suffer any setbacks, where do you think he fits into the equation in October? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was about to mention him, but I really wasn't sure how to fit it in in my rambling, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you there, Brandon. So, uh, but but that's, a, that's an important thing, too. We were talking about it. Like someone asked me today, well, where is Mitch White in the rotation right now? And I was like, I think Mitch White is like the sixth starter, technically. But you're talking about you have Dustin May making a rehab start for, for Oklahoma City Dodgers right now. You have, uh, you know, maybe Andrew Heaney ready to make a comeback at some point. You have Walker Bueller ready to come back in September. Uh, so you have a lot of depth at the rotation. And if Walker Bueller can come back and be the, the, the ace that he has been in the past, the big time playoff performer that shines the brightest on the biggest stage, like he's done in the 2018 world series, like he's done in the 2019 and 20 playoffs, then you might not need a frontline starter, like a Luis Castillo or Frankie Montas, like we said, and then you could even fit Tyler Anderson in the bullpen and Dustin May in the bullpen and Mitch White as he's pitching well in the bullpen. And maybe that's how you bolster the bullpen. So uh, to me, though, Dustin May coming off Tommy John surgery, he's going to have a long runway. And my guess is once the postseason comes around, uh, he would be in the bullpen. Michael, you, you briefly touched on this, but in terms of the National League right now, the Dodgers are in first place. How, who do you think is their biggest threat uh, to a National League crown? as it stands right now. Yeah, the Dodgers right now are as fresh as an Arash Murkazi haircut, guys. And uh, right now, <laughs> the, the biggest contender in the National League uh, to the Dodgers potentially you know, winning the pennant, I guess, if that's what we're looking at, to me, would be the New York Mets. To be honest with you, I don't fear the reigning World Series champion Braves. We have to give them credit. I'm the guy that's always like, hey, until you beat the champs, you, you, you can't say you're the champs or call yourself the champs. But in a seven-game series, I'm not as worried about the Dodgers if they're healthy. Uh, if the Dodgers, in my opinion, had a healthy Clayton Kershaw and a healthy Max Muncie in the NLCS last year, I don't think they lose to the Braves. As it was, I think they choked off, in my opinion, the first two games of that series. Uh, and having a bat like Muncie in that lineup, especially a lefty bat against some of those uh, right-handers like Ian Anderson uh, and some of the guys that, that came out of the pen for the Braves, I think would have really helped the Dodgers. And having Kershaw in that rotation, not having to rely so much on Walker Bueller and Julio Arias, and let's not forget Max Scherzer had dead arm that 
that whole series and couldn't really pitch or perform the way we know he can. So I'm not as, as worried about the Dodgers in a seven game series with the Braves. Um, I, to me, a three game series with the Padres potentially in the first round when it's just a three game series and the Padres can throw you Darvish, Blake Snell, Sean Manaya at you and some other arms. And if the Dodgers don't bolster the starting rotation, maybe I'm a little worried about that. Maybe, especially with Fernando Tatis healthy. And I'm more worried about it just because it's a three-game series, which is kind of like a crapshoot. Anything can kind of happen in a three-game series, especially when you're playing a division rival that you know very well inside and out. But to answer your question, if the Mets starting rotation is healthy and you can throw Jacob deGrom game one and you can throw Max Scherzer game two, and potentially like Carlos Carrasco or, or, or some of these guys that have been, you know, shining for the Mets right now. Um, that's to me, the team that could potentially knock out the Dodgers. Michael, can you just explain really quickly? Cause I, we were talking about it earlier and I'm not exactly clear on it. What the new postseason format looks like. Yeah. So the, the highest, there's no buys six, uh, six teams in each league. And the number one overall seed, which as of right now, as it stands, would be the Dodgers. Uh, they take on what would be the sixth seed uh, in this case. And then second, and it goes by the division winners. So regardless of record, the division winners will be seeded one, two, and three. And then after that, you have uh, seeds four, five, and six, which let's call them the three wildcard teams if we're just you know being honest. So right now, as it stands, the Dodgers would be looking at a first round matchup if the, play, if the season ended today with uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. It would be a one versus six matchup. That would be a best of three series, first two games at Dodger Stadium, third game if necessary in Philadelphia, which, you know, if you split those first two, that could be a scary prospect to go on the road in a, in a do or die elimination game. Uh, and then after that, it goes back to the playoff formats that, that we know, uh, a five game NLDS and then a seven game NLCS following that. Interesting. Michael, you know, we've been lucky enough to cover this team 2017 World Series with Houston, 2018 against the Red Sox, 2020 pandemic. We were both in Texas. What's your feeling with this team? I mean, in terms of the way they find a way to find a way to win games, the talent that they have, do they have that feeling of being a World Series championship team? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a loaded question, Arash. <laughs> Uh, because to me, to be honest with you, the best Dodgers team that I saw, in my opinion, was the 2019 Dodgers. Yeah. And of course, they get knocked out in the first round in a five-game series in the NLDS to the, to the Nationals. And that was a great series. Let's not get it twisted. And Clayton Kershaw you know, blows that game, giving back-to-back -back home runs to Anthony Rendon, now on the Angels, and obviously Juan Soto, who we obviously talked about earlier. If that doesn't happen, if the Dodgers just go bring in Adam Kalerick to face Juan Soto instead of Clayton Kershaw then we're probably looking at the Dodgers winning another World Series in 2019 because I don't think any team was going to get in their way. And of course, the Nationals did go on to win the World Series. I also think had that been a seven-game series and not a five-game series, that the Dodgers' depth prevails in seven games uh, and goes on to win, where the Nationals can't throw Max Scherzer out of the bullpen to close a game and, and, and things of that nature. So um, that's kind of the answer. That was the most impressive team I saw. But let's the Dodgers, Arash, are an regular season juggernaut. 
they are built for the 162 game marathon when the dog days of summer come which we are currently in of july and august when teams are kind of just going through the motions look what happened to the padres they were one game up on the dodgers and now they're like 10 games back look at the yankees now going through the, the summer doldrums i think the dodgers are just one and a half games back right now of the new york yankees for best record in all of major league baseball as most teams are kind of just turning the tires and spinning their wheels during these days of these dog days of summer the dodgers are widening the gap as far as their lead and proving why they are you know and they have the depth uh and they have just the 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 three facets of the game we're talking starting pitching relief pitching and, and offense uh to be able to pull away from teams so right now to me this looks like a world series team but then if you go up against the Mets in the NLDS in a five-game series and DeGrom and Scherzer are healthy, anything can happen, and that's a scary prospect to look at. But one thing I want to say, Arash, quickly, I know we're, we're running down on time because you and I have talked about this ad nauseum for probably the last four to five years. We want a Dodgers-Yankees World Series. We do. Well, we both want to go to New York. I think that's why. <laughs> that's the reason, because we've gone everywhere else there is to go right. in, in the World Series cities. This is the series that we want. This is the series that fans want. This is the series that Major League Baseball wants. So over this All-Star Game weekend, I asked Trey Turner. I asked Freddie Freeman. I asked Aaron Judge. I asked John Carlos Stanton. Uh, is this the, the example of an immovable force meets an unstoppable object where these two teams, these two juggernauts right now with the two best records in baseball and the best records in their leagues respectively are on a collision course to play in the World Series? Both of them said we're, we're focusing on what we have to do in the task at hand and the day to day and we're not getting ahead of ourselves, but they are kind of looking on the side mirror at what this other team is doing because they also want to see that matchup but as john carlos stanton told me after he won all-star game mvp with his one and only hit in his all-star game career which happens to be a two-run bomb uh deep into the left field pavilion where he used to watch games as a kid he said both teams the dodgers and the yankees both need to take care of business for that to happen and it just hasn't happened in recent years where they've both been able to do that so hopefully this is the year 2022 we finally get to see it Michael, we got about a minute left. I just wanted to touch on the Angels really quickly. They're 39 and 53. And I just want to know from your perspective, do you think that they will make any major moves at the trade deadline? Uh, they may sell some bullpen pieces. Uh, I, I think that's something that we may see them do. Um, I think they're going to obviously keep Thor and keep Rendon and keep the core together. Mike Trout, keep Joe Adele and some of these young guys together. Um, they know Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent soon. They know that they need to do whatever they can to stay competitive and show him that we can, you know, very soon in the near future, get you the pieces that we need to make a playoff run, to win a World Series, and, and get back to the postseason where they haven't been in quite some time. Uh, I've told you guys on this show that that the Angels, you know, falling off because at one point they were in first place, obviously, in the NLS or AOS, excuse me, was inevitable as the dog that barks as the car drives by. We knew this was going to happen at some point. It's just what the Angels do. Uh, they they just fall off a cliff each and every year, and there's they're not touching the postseason. I've been saying that for most of the year, to be honest with you, even as teams were thinking they were going to make a World Series run, it ain't happening. But it's not going to happen at the trade deadline, obviously, but they will move some pieces, some contracts that are, are uh, expiring at the end of this year uh, to, to try to retool and in the offseason, 
get more starting pitching, get more relief pitching, and get more help around Otani in order to keep him here uh, for the next decade or so. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much, and thank you so much for joining us this week after all the stuff you did. A fantastic job. You've gone viral. You've gone global. You're the best. You're the man. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is the Raj Markazi thing. Stay safe. Stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.